Yo, what's good? Welcome to Counter Currents. I'm your host, Petey Steele, with co-host. Elena Torres. Uh, we are here with the Arlington Draft House podcast, formerly known as Counter Currents. We changed it. But today we have an amazing guest. She's been to Arlington before. I got to open for her last time. She's the funniest. She's the coolest. Please welcome the hilarious Remy Casimir. Oh, my God. I love you guys. <laughs> love you. We're so excited to have you. How have you been? You know, life has been interesting recently. Um, I know we're going to be talking about stand-up and how we craft our stand-up and stuff. And a big news item with me, which might surprise the two of you, is that I am no longer smoking weed. Whoa. Oh, yeah. Whoa. Um, I know. So now I have to rework all of my weed content basically to like past tense. Um, yeah. And I did it for the first time actually at a venue where smoking is allowed. So, you know, I kind of announced that I was like, I'm not smoking anymore. And like in a normal room, they might just be like, okay. But in this room, they were like, boo. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that's definitely been interesting just from a stand-up and life change perspective. What, how, what prompted that decision? Deep depression, not to start this off too, but you know, we're sad clowns a lot of the time. So I think it's understandable. Um, and yeah, kind of need a counterbalance. What? I said, you're glowing enough. We need a counterbalance. Right. (laughs) I literally look like a glow worm that like sleeps with little children. Oh wait, edit that out. That sounds wrong. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you, so you had a depression, you thought it was related to weed, did cutting it out help? What's your, well, also, and tell us about your background with weed. Yeah. So I started smoking heavily in college. Um, I had a good friend who, she was kind of like the hub, like her apartment is where everybody would chill. We lived on the same floor. If we were all chilling, like we would go to hers and it would just be like weed central. Like we used to joke about it and be like, yeah, let's rot today. Um, and then rotting became an everyday thing. And then after college, it never really stopped, you know, like it just became, um, a crutch, a habit, uh, a thing to do. Uh, I was discussing actually with one of our other friends from college recently, I was like, yeah, like, I think I need to stop smoking. And he was like, okay, but what do people do when they're not smoking? You know, we had that genuine, which sounds like a crazy question um, for people who don't have an addictive personality or have a substance abuse problem. Like you're like, you take care of your kids, you go to work, you clean your house, you do all of this stuff that is like very commonplace, very normal. Um, But for me, it would be like, oh wait, if we're going to the movies, you smoke and you go to the movies. If we're going to a museum, you smoke and you go to a museum. And uh, yeah, separating that has been very interesting. But yeah, I uh, I first stopped smoking because my friend ha- or my friend, my cousin had a bachelorette party in the Dominican Republic, and I don't know the laws in other countries. I don't know how likely I am to get Brittany Grinerd. And the fact that I am not Brittany Griner, like people don't care as much about getting me back. So I was like, I'm not going to take any chances. I'm going to go cold Turkey. I won't even bring a pen. And 
that week was very physically difficult for me. There was like a lot of withdrawal symptoms. Um, I was hungry the whole time, but then when we would get to meals, I wasn't hungry enough because usually smoking is the thing that would make me hungry. And so that was kind of like a, uh, a big realization that I was like, oh, it's not just like a fun, quirky thing that I do. It's like a real thing that I rely on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I got back, I was like, well, let's try to keep this going in a way and we'll do it only after 7 p.m. And that was working okay. Um, but then if you do smoke at night, it, it's still affecting your sleep patterns, your dreams, oh. you know, like all that stuff. And then I went on another bachelor weekend with people who smoke a lot and I just couldn't help myself. And it became all day, every day, again, like morning to night. Um, one of my friends made a joke that he was like, you traveled here to literally go to sleep because I was so smoking so much that I would just fall asleep in rooms filled with our friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got back and I had this really like Depressed, yes, I've been depressed my whole life, but it was like a dissociative episode where Mm -hmm. I was like thinking of even canceling this show, these shows for this weekend, because I was like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if I want to do stand up anymore. I don't know who I am. I I don't know if I want to be in my relationship. I don't know if I want to live in New York and like all of these things, just I don't know who I am. And so I called my old therapist um, who I left three years ago. And I told her everything that was happening. And she said, well, Remy, how much are you smoking? And I was like, you know, a lot. And she's like, well, do you remember the last time we saw each other? I suggested that you cut back. And I was like, yeah, and I fired you. (laughs) Which is true. I literally left her because I was so afraid of what that would mean. If I wasn't smoking anymore, who would I be? Like, would certain people even still want to hang out with me? Um, it's a huge social aspect to me in, in comedy where like I've had friends who I'm pretty sure they're only friends with me because they've said, oh, you always have the best weed. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so it's been now a week. And all right. Well, you're all up in it. I'm all up in it right now. Yeah. I, and I'm cold turkey again. My, my cute dad was like, do you think you to go cold turkey like it sounds like you're in a lot of pain and I'm like I'm I'm in a very black and white mindset so like it like that 7 p.m thing clearly wasn't working yeah you know Katie and I are both um in recovery we're both sober Mm -hmm. I did not know that yeah everything you're saying over here that's why you're seeing a lot of like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm." like that question that question of like what do you do if you don't have it? Like, I remember when I had to get sober, I was like, my life is going to be so boring. Like, how do you, what do I do? Mm -hmm. And if anything, I feel like since then, my life was a lot more interesting, but. Oh, totally. And you know what? Over time, you're going to discover the greatest drug of all in sobriety, which is sanctimony towards the use of others. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of kidding. I'm kind of not. But the thing is, first of all, really seriously, congratulations. Because I remember how hard that was and thinking those same exact thoughts. This was actually a good wake up day for me in terms of 
recalling that because it yeah it was pain and it's like it like you said it's dissociative you go into kind of like a fugue state where you're like holy shit like are these my friends or are they just using me for this or are like yeah. i'm so happy i quit long before i ever did comedy because i see other comics going through mm-hmm. these things and you know i can say this it's very hard i think to quit doing comedy but i think being active in addiction in comedy is worse um just open yourself up to continuous fucking problems interpersonal drama um and just not knowing who you are and i think the key to sobriety it's like meatloaf you know like you could do anything for love but you can't do that do that yeah you figure it out, you know, it's just a practice makes perfect kind of thing. And I, I mean, I'm 17 years sober now. Oh my God, a, Mazel. Thank you. It was a couple of weeks ago. I could tell you that it does get easier and it does Definitely. get so much better. And I don't even think about it anymore. That's the crazy thing. I never saw in early recovery or when it is, I was an active addiction, uh, a day when I would not think about it like hardly ever. That seems so foreign to me, but yeah. that comes, that will come. Yeah. So keep it up. Yeah. Thank I you. Think, yeah. You're all up in, I think, the roughest time. And it's honestly like, this is going to sound terrible, but it's like that first, if you, if you keep it up, like that first year is weird because you start seeing like, sort of the longer term effects without it. And you start, I mean, the people thing is real. Like what you're talking about with friends like that, mm-hmm. that's real. And it's kind of like a life cleanse in, in that sense where and and that- you can't get booked on weed shows anymore. Cause you're a fucking narc. Didi, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. do you get booked on weed shows? I don't, but I've maybe done one or two, but everybody kind of knows that I'm too much of a dick about being sober. So yeah. Hmm. I'm not, no, nah, I'm not really, but I kind of, it's weird. You know, I no, it, it is, it's, it's strange because like, I have people very close to me who have said like, okay, but I'm not going to stop smoking. Is that okay? And I'm like, yeah, like, of course it is because like, you didn't have this episode. Like I, I also don't drink. I haven't drank in a long, like, it's not, I'm not sober from drinking. I don't have an addiction to it. I just puke and cry every time. So I was like, maybe not the best. Right. And, uh, I don't make anybody feel bad about drinking. You know, it, it doesn't affect them the same way it affects me. Yeah, right. but just don't be surprised if other people get weird about it because they, it's, but usually it's people who have a thing with, with it, their own mm-hmm. issues. You know, they don't want to do it around you. Like I found out, I mean, this is late. I've also been sober for like 15, 16 years, since 2000, wow. however, yeah. however long. But um my, you know, there was this girl that I met and I'd been sober for a long time already. And, you know, like we were friends, but like, I never, she would never like invite me to stuff. Mm. And I just thought it was kind of weird. And then I found out from someone else, it was like, oh, it's because you don't drink. And I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. You were like, it's because I'm annoying. Yeah. I just figured it was my personality. Yeah. Somebody was like, oh, they just didn't know. This girl just didn't know and didn't want to invite you because didn't know how to act around someone who's not drinking. Right. Yeah. Even on these, like, I've been watching uh, housewives ultimate girls trip. Um, mm-hmm. And there was an episode last night where they had like a cocktail making event 
And one of the women, Leah, is sober and they had a mocktail station for her, but she had to be like, hey, you guys will have a mocktail station for me, right? Like you, and you don't want to be the person that's like, hey, remember me and like my accommodations? Like, I think that's where a lot of my smoking comes from is anxiety and not feeling like I fit in. So like, it's like a, yeah, another level to that. Have you done, have you done a road date? I mean, it's been a week. So have you done comedy no, or a road date with? No, literally you guys, I, I, this is the first one I've booked in a long time. And I, I, I don't know if this is just tied to smoking or how I feel about myself, but I've been having a tougher time just putting myself out there um, in general. And so this this date, like even booking this weekend was like going to be my big foray back into doing road stuff. And then, yeah, after I was like, so, so, so depressed that I was like, I need to cancel DC or Arlington, you know, like, um, and now I'm like, well, that's stupid. But, but then there's the other parts of it that I'm like, what am I going to do during the day there? Like loneliness is real on the road. And then compounding it with like getting over this habit that I've formed for the past 15 years. Um, I was like, maybe I'll just go to Elena's house and play with her kids. I was gonna say, come over here. Yeah. We'll do a play date, come over here, come hang out. Yeah, swap out one addiction for like smelling a baby's head. Yeah, there you go, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that one, that one you'll, you'll wanna kick that e- easily after a couple after a couple hours with the babes are like, okay, I kick that addiction. I know, now yeah. you've become birth control to me. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, come over come over, hang out. And I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Katie, tell me if you agree. You'll be pleasantly surprised with how you feel on stage. Yeah. So even, even at that, that weed venue, like where, and they booed, they didn't really boo me, but they just weren't happy for me. I, I felt such a sense of more clarity. Yeah. Um, and like ease. Um, and also my mouth wasn't dry every six seconds from like, smoking right before and having to drink like I usually finish a bottle of water on stage if I'm smoking and now I'm interested to see what the levels are it's gonna be an adventure it'll it'll be good overall I mean there'll be some downs too but you're doing the right thing overall I think it's a big knit positive it'll help your comedy not that I was ever using during comedy but Mm -hmm. I don't I would have had the gumption to go up on stage um, when I was in active addiction, particularly alcohol and other things. Um, and, and not the energy and the hangovers were like too bad and shit like that. And I wouldn't have been like as vulnerable unless I was mm-hmm. really drunk and I would have been totally stupid, obnoxious and never gotten asked back. Um, right. You'll start living when you st- when you get sober. I believe that. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I, I also have a friend. Oh, go sorry, ahead. Go on. No, you. No, I, I, I think you'll also notice on stage, you'll be a lot sharper, especially mm. with like crowd work and stuff like you'll, you'll just see your brain will come, you know, things will come to you a lot. Oh more yeah. Quickly. My crowd work was literally like, where are you from? Cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> You gotta be Where sharp. That work is hard. You gotta be sharp, and I feel like I—that's what I think about all the time. I'm like, I can't imagine because so many comics go on stage drunk, high, whatever. I'm like, how do you deal with anything? 
And people would say that to me all the time. They'd be like, wow, I'm so impressed that you can go up so high and still crush or whatever. And yeah, that's weirdly like a badge of honor that I'm going to have to give away. Right, right. Um, But yeah, I have a friend, Petey, you were saying that like, you know, certain clubs wouldn't have asked you back or whatever. She had to go on an apology tour after relapsing. She's been in and out of treatment and stuff. And um, yeah, a lot of clubs didn't want to work with her anymore because they were like, we don't know which version of you we're getting. Are we getting like the amazing, like joke, 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 joke version of you or the one that refuses to get off stage and blows the light for 15 minutes? Yeah. And then fucks half the wait staff or yep. causes all kinds of extra off the stage ruckus. No, totally. Talk shit about the show while the show's still going on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. My friend literally brought her on stage and was like, yeah, she was banned for a while because like I overheard her talking shit on the show after doing the show. Um, which, you know, talking shit is its own addiction, I will say, especially oh, yeah. from a, Jewish family where we love to gossip um but that one I will keep for a little bit yeah I've been trying to kick that one for a while um, it's hard yeah it's hard it's interesting though I'm reading do you know the book Sapiens I've it's seen like, it it's um is that Huval uh, what's yes. the hell name yeah yeah I've heard yeah. it great. it is um I think they've done an updated version now, but I, I've read it a few times and I'm now like, it's a, an entire history of humankind starting from Neanderthals and all that stuff up through all the revolutions and all that stuff. And I'm at the section right now where they're talking about like the benefits of gossip, yeah, you know, and how gossip is what separates us from the animals. And I'm just like, well, this is why I love Bravo. You know, it's anthropology. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if nobody could gossip, you couldn't earn a good reputation. Or a bad one. You couldn't warn other people that that person is that, going to hurt you because they've hurt several other people. And we know because we commiserate. Exactly. That's true. Oh, that's useful to know. I need mm-hmm. that. Sometimes, I mean, it is, a, it is a serious way to bond. I say that all the time. Like gossip is 100%. a serious way to bond. Yeah, or even gossiping about yourself, which I guess is just being vulnerable and or just network. Out. Oh, let or me just... tell you about how cool I am. Yeah. <laughs> I just quit smoking weed and it's just fucking yeah. yeah, and how long have you been doing comedy with weed? How long have you been doing comedy in general? I started, I want to say nine years. Um something like that. But I started in improv, if we count that. And so that two years before that. And you like stand up better than improv, I'm guessing. Um, I would be interested actually to see if I like improv better with a sharper mind. But my biggest issue with improv was you never know whether you did a good job or the team did a good job or you did a bad job or the team did a bad job. And then another part of it was just scheduling. Like if somebody wants me to do a show tonight, I can go, yeah, I'm free. You know, whereas you'd have to call the whole team and they'd be like, what? No. Yeah. I tried improv for a little bit too. And it was, I I realized stand up was for me when I would like give someone a suggestion 
Mm -hmm. And I was expecting them to do my own idea back and then they would do something else and I'd get pissed off. And I'd be like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Especially like I'm a very like, uh, micromanagey person when it comes to stuff that I'm doing and you really have to let that go if you're doing improv and just like trust the group I'm like trust who trust anyone I trust no one yeah yeah (laughs) and a podcast was a big part of your stand-up right well that helped your stand-up how did tell us how that worked out because you you started podcasting kind of when before everybody started podcasting a little bit, right? See, it's so funny. I started my podcast in 2017. And I don't think I launched it until 2018. And I remember in that time being like, ugh, the market's already so saturated. Like, why does it need me? Um, But I did see a lot of comics getting more work because of their podcasts. And I was like, well, that's like a good vehicle to like do that. Um, And a separate thing about my podcast specifically is that I had never had an orgasm at the ripe old age of 28 years old. I really wanted to learn how to do that. So the obvious thing to do was podcast (laughs) and (laughs) um, it's called how come. And I did, I use it as a vehicle to learn how to do that, but also it, yeah, got a lot of notoriety because no one was really talking about like a lack of orgasms. There were a lot of podcasts talking about sex and, you know, that stuff, but nobody was talking about like the deficiencies. It felt very embarrassing. Uh, I remember I recorded the first few episodes in August. I didn't release them until December because I was so, so scared that no one's going to relate to me. People are going to look down on me. Men are going to flood my DMs being like, I'm what you need. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> and tell tell us about how how was that initial reaction when you did release it finally? Amazing! It was like the most supportive thing I've ever seen, and a lot of people came out of the woodwork just being like, "Oh yeah, same as me." Like I and I thought this was normal. Like I, I think a lot of us don't have like amazing sex education because like there's not too much, or there wasn't too much research into female sexuality for a long time. And all of sex ed was just like, okay, this is how you have a baby. This is how you don't have a baby. Also guys are going to get this thing called blue balls and it is bad. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure that doesn't happen. Make sure that doesn't happen or you are evil. Yeah. Um, there was nothing about like real pleasure. Yeah. Right reference on this because i was talking with elena about this yesterday um the scope of the problem now isn't it something like a third of women who've never had an orgasm i would have to go back and check that data but the the very interesting stat it's called the orgasm or the pleasure gap Mm -hmm. um and it exists within heterosexual couples where the man will usually get off like 90, 99% of the time. And then the woman, it's somewhere around like 70, maybe, you know, uh, whereas in gay couples with men, they're both coming like pretty much a lot. And also with gay couples with women, they're coming a ton. So it's not something to do with the female body. It's something to do with uh, the way that we've been given like a heteronormative sex script. Um, 
the fact that like I don't know about you Elena but I was raised like you're there to please the guy like sex is a way to get the guy um be as sexy as possible and your pleasure doesn't really matter um yeah I grew up in Latin America so it was it the Latin America yeah oh my god I'm like you know, you want to be the sexy version. That was like what I, you know, that's, that it was very big on like, you know, yeah. society. I grew up in, talk about a gossipy society, you know, it was very gossipy. Like you had to be very careful who you had sex with, who you didn't, because it was all mm-hmm. about, it was so much about tainting your name. Like, yeah, culture was way crushing your flower. Yes. It was like yep. so far down the list, you know, you you enjoying sex was so far down the list. Yeah, no, you wanted to be the person that, oh no, oh, yeah. I don't want to have sex, yeah. but with you and then transform into this highly sexual being in the bedroom. And it's like, the dichotomy of that is impossible. Yes. Yeah. You know, and I, I always wanted to bang everybody, but then yeah. yeah, I didn't want, I didn't want people talking about it. Right, right. Um, yeah, for fear of ruining a reputation. And now I'm like, how stupid is that? And yeah. I know. The pleasure gap, like ratio wise, kind of mirrors the wage gap you Mm. hear about. Yeah. Interestingly enough. Yeah. Find the gap, as they say in London. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then, so did did the podcast help you? Like, did you have an orgasm? Did it educate you on how to do it? Girl, I blew my load episode six. The podcast should have ended. Yeah. Oh, oh my god! Forgive me if I'm asking too many details on your own or with no, someone. No, no. Uh, imagine me being like, "Wait, I'm not talking about that." <laughs> yeah, I don't um, know. yeah, it was by myself, and it was with. I'm so sorry for the sound of this radiator. There's another radiator, or not a radiator, AC that's ripping on mine, and that's what those sounds are. So if anybody is having a misophonia, I apologize. It's pissing me off too. But um, the thing I orgasm what the radiator's having an orgasm for sure and it's extended and it's multiple and i'm happy for her but i'm also like shut up (laughs) um (laughs) you're too wet um yeah so i the first time i did it was solo and with a sex toy um which is a clitoral suction device highly recommend to anybody who has a clitoris um because I remember in health class when they did tell us that the clitoris has the same erectile tissue as penises. And then we did hear about blowjobs and stuff. And I was like, wouldn't it be sick if you could get a tiny blowjob? And some people's mouths, not that small, but now we have technology and it's very exciting. Interesting. Interesting. That's great. I didn't know. I've never heard of a clitoral suction device. This is oh, close device. this Zoom, go buy one and have a nice day. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And yeah. so did you, did you have guests on that? So guests told you about that or people told you about that? Or like, what are some of the great things you found out? Yeah. So the yeah. way that the podcast was initially structured is I would have everybody come on and tell me about their first time coming, which is very important to me to just like figure out how you figured it out. And I still do ask that question, but then uh, pre-com, PC, I would also ask them to give me an assignment that I had to do for the next week. So I got, I think about 
five assignments. And then it was interesting. I was also doing like the podcast circuit because everyone was like, Remy's not coming. We got to talk about this. And right, I did right, one right. podcast where they were like, have you ever tried this toy? Like uh, we had another guest who tried it and it worked for her for the first time. And it was actually suggested by boys, which is crazy. Wow. Yeah. Um, but allies. But major allies. Yeah, the yeah. podcast is The Good, The Dad, The Ugly. They only interview women or female-bodied people. And, oh, cool. uh, yeah, and the I call her my big, big, but the person they were talking about was Rachel Sennett, who had okay. never had an orgasm until she used this thing. So they were like, you should try, and voila. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, and, and it, think- it was almost instantaneous as well. That's Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go get me one of these now. Yeah. And do you find do we do guys? Well, I know you have a boyfriend, but is it are guys ever intimidated by that about you? Because now do people look at you as like some a cum expert? Yeah. It was weird. The like the first two months, even somebody called me like a, a sex guru. And I was like, no, the point is that I'm not good at it. Like clearly. <laughs> Um, so that was, that, that's a bit of pressure, but I think, I think they do that to anybody who starts a podcast. Somebody starts a podcast on dating and suddenly they're a dating guru, even though they've been single for the past 15 years. Um, no shade to those people. You can still be a dating guru going on dates, but, um, if your end goal is to get into a relationship, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I still have had people reach out who, didn't listen to the entire podcast and offer their services, which I hate. Um, I do think it's a really good litmus test for like friendship, at least if I tell them what I do and they're like, Oh, ew. Or if they're like, Oh yeah. You know, like most people who are normal will just be like, Oh, that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Or, Oh, I feel bad that that took such a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I, I, I want to say I was fortunate to have a boyfriend this whole time because I don't know what it would have been like trying to sleep with new people and explain this thing about me. Yeah. Well, in general, I think sleep, you know, the part of the issue with female sexuality, sleeping with new people, like a lot of dudes think they just know how to make a girl come all the time. And sometimes you got to tell them a little bit like mm-hmm. please do this and with new people sometimes that's not super comfortable for a lot of the same reason that you're talking about with like you know heteronormative society you're definitely not taught at least I mean my generation in Latin America you're not taught to like tell a guy what to do no you don't want to embarrass him or god forbid right. make the penis go down right right it's not attractive to tell a guy what to do so it's it's hard for him to feel comfortable but it is attractive like and are you know to the right person is attractive to a person that like doesn't take it offensively and is like oh no I am here because I want you to have a good time too like one of the sweetest things about my boyfriend is he'll walk in and I'll be masturbating or whatever and he'll go yeah get it babe great you know it's like a teammate um but it's hard to speak up in general So for anybody who like, if you're a people pleaser, or if you've just been socialized that like, you know, 
your place is to be seen and not heard. You're, you're not going to be the squeaky wheel and try to get yours. Um, my sister, who used to produce the podcast, she'd always say, it helps you speak up more in the bedroom and the boardroom. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. And you grew up, you grew up in New York, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, city kid. Wow, where are you from? Upper East Side, if you wow. can believe. Yeah. Like the movies type of New York. Yeah, like Gossip Girl uh, was filmed three blocks from my house. So how how is that, you know, you grew up in New York, with, was it in that Upper East Side sort of scene? Like what's my, basically my question is growing up in that to yeah. comedy, like those are two very different worlds in the same city. Oh my God. We, I would walk by the comic strip with a bunch of my friends and I'd go, oh, you guys, can we go in there? Like, it'd be really fun to watch a comedy show. And I'd be like, ew, like, absolutely not. That's so weird. Um, and I got a similar response when I started comedy. It was just like, why would you do that? Um, it doesn't make a lot of money. You're really putting yourself out there. Um, we don't think you're funny to begin with. No. <laughs> And these are all like your compadres from the Upper East Side saying this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, and a lot of them have changed their minds since and been like, this is like the most inspirational thing you've ever done. Um, and I understand their hesitation in it. Like, I had it too, but I also wanted to do stand-up since I was 14. So it was either going to be listen to you guys and never do it, or just do it. Like, I, I can't imagine any other job that I would want to do. Yeah. Sorry, someone's going Oh, we can't hear it. And has your family, I mean, you said your sister, I asked because you said your sister helped you produce the podcast. Was your family supportive about comedy from the get-go or was it that same vibe? No. And- <laughs> No, um, they were just like, why, mm-hmm. you know? And I was like, to talk shit on you guys. Yeah. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> um, but again, they've come around in a major right. way. Right. Um, they don't love how, how difficult it is, you know, yeah. on the brain. Um, they don't love how difficult it is to on the wallet, yeah. but like, those are the sacrifices that we make sometimes. And what do, you, what do you want from comedy in the future? You know, you've been off weed. You've mm-hmm. got a great date in Arlington. What are you mm-hmm. looking for? From that? I think I would really like to just really craft the hour of comedy that I have into a tight ass half hour and mm-hmm. put that out. Um, because a lot of these jokes, as you guys know, I've been doing for years, um, and I'm ready to retire some of them. And so I want them to just like exist on their own and have a space that people can still see them. But then, yeah, I'm going to be in a new chapter of my life. I'm sure I'm going to write more content and I want to be inspired to write more content. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Like right now it's just, it's kind of easy to lay back on the old jokes. Um, after these strikes, I'd love to write and sell shows and stuff. 
I, I love media in general. Um, TV is one of my favorite things. So Same. knock on wood, how come scripted, I think would be an amazing show. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I'd, I'd watch that show. Right. I would yeah. too. Even if I don't play me, they'd probably cast someone who's not Jewish. Classic. Uh -huh. uh, <laughs> hopefully we find one who is uh, is, is there any study you know of in terms of like I don't know how to phrase this the orgasm problem or the pleasure gap in terms of like ethnicity or religion or anything like that that you know of I don't have stats for it, but we have done episodes on different religions and sex. Mm -hmm. And I know that um, we did one with John Fuelsang and Christian Finnegan called Two Christians, which oh. um, has really helped people who grew up in that faith because okay. there is a lot of misreading of the Bible that would make you think that sexuality is wrong and bad and punishable. And right. John's dad, I believe, was a reverend or somebody who worked in the church in like a in a big capacity. He and was. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be a stickler, but that right. is actually a titular adjective that a lot of people say as a noun all the time. Like oh, the reverend, like he is revered. Um, oh, it is a title, but it is also an adjective. I don't know. Anyway. Okay, Sorry. no, he was a religion guy in the church. And yeah, uh, yeah so John has a lot of information on like what the Bible actually means by certain things. Um, and I know that that episode helped a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. How, uh oh, let me ask you about this too. How is quitting weed? Has that impacted anything in terms of that? So I have actually been in like a sexual slump, I feel, for like the last year and a half. Okay. Um, and I think it has something to do with depression. Mm -hmm. um, and also my boyfriend has suggested that like, he's like, you just did a lot of coming in the beginning. Like you were like a 15 year old you know, like me, like when I first started doing it, it was all day, every day. And then he's like, and then it kind of peters out. So like you were just having that later on in life. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get my mojo back because it's not, it's not been good. <laughs> I don't okay. think it has to do with, I, I mean, maybe the weed was stopping it. Sure. Um, weed. I mean, I don't know if this is an official point, but I think weed does fuck with your mojo in large amounts. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it makes sense. Just like in the, so you might find that that. I mean, there are some people though that'll smoke and it just puts them in this like amazing state where like their head isn't moving a mile a minute and they can actually like devote time to their body. And it, it's really like, it's like a whatever works for you situation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's not how I was using it. I was using it from the crack of dawn to going to sleep. Yeah. And it wasn't like, ooh, let's have some CBD lube and really get into it. Yeah, you were using it just to function through life. Yeah, just to ignore life. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, we are a little smoke band-aid. Yeah. We are very proud of you over here. You came to the right place. I know. I'm so happy I got to speak to you guys about it. Yeah, yeah. Whenever, you know, and we're we're here anyways, you know, whenever you are having a moment, you know, these are the right people. You can call us anytime and be like, I don't know, man. Like, yeah, I don't know how doable this is, how not. And by the way, it is a work for everyone. I'm not the kind of sober person that's like, stay sober no matter what. That has been what's worked for me long term. Mm -hmm. When I first got sober, I didn't think that I'd be sober for so long. But it's just as an extremist it's been a lot easier than a lot of other things in life. Like mm -hmm. food was a struggle for me for a long time. Cause you can't not eat. Oh my. Yeah. I, like, I don't know if you guys know about my other podcast diet starts tomorrow, but it's an no. unlearning diet culture podcast. Yeah. And that has been kind of strange because this, this whole time I've been running it, I've, you know, been trying to put less of an emphasis on my body and less trying to be skinny and all that stuff. And now with the lack of weed, I am eating less and I am losing weight and I'm trying to not be too happy or too upset about it, you know, just be okay with it. Right. Which is really fucking hard to do. That I think so the food thing after cutting out alcohol and drugs for me was like some of the hardest ones because that's balance. Yeah. And like that never goes away. And so it was almost with that a comfort to just like, hey, with alcohol and drugs, I can just never, ever do it no matter what. And do that on a, in a really extreme way when everything else in life is about balance. Mm -hmm. you know I mean, it's almost easier just to have one thing that's like off you know, limit. Yeah. yeah. No matter what. Yeah. You know, right. you don't like, need weed as sustenance. Right. You know, food, it, it comes up every day. Sure. It's one of my least favorite things. Like I love food, but I'm like, I have to feed myself again. Yeah. You have what to a chore. Yeah. You have to like come in contact with that choice multiple times a day, mm -hmm. every single day. Yeah. And every time it's an active choice that you're making. And it's, mm. it's hard to get your brain off that. It you, is. You know, it really so is. I find the alcohol and drugs thing like, just no matter what. I also heard a guy, this is a really depressing note, but I heard a guy once at a meeting when I was really early in sobriety, he said, you know, listen, like if you're new, you know, all you have to know is like, no matter what, just don't drink no matter what. Mm -hmm. And then that guy died about three months later from the, oh, oh. and it's like, it's so hard, but it, it stuck with me in the moment. And then after what happened, it's like, just look like that's the helpful, you know, it, it gets you, it's gotten me through a lot of moments. It's like, Hey, no matter what, I don't have to do this. Right. That's, that's the thing that really like kind of scared me at first as I was like, am I willing to admit that I'm an addict? Do I know that I'm an addict? You know, like there are some people who can genuinely just cut down. Um, yeah. Also like, should I, put judgment on myself for that fact if it's true like no like I have so many great friends who are in recovery and like I've never judged them for it at all but of course I'm my toughest critic so it's like nobody else needs to be perfect but I do yeah. I have to be everything all the time um and maybe I'm not 
maybe I'm just a habit former. Maybe I just have extreme oral fixations. I'm still not giving up the, you know, vaping yet because one thing at a time. But um, yeah, I've been traveling around with an emergency joint in my purse, which some people might say is really crazy and counterintuitive. And yeah. some people might be like, yeah, you might need it as an emergency. Um, I don't know what the emergency would be. I think it would be extreme tummy ache. But um, well, sometimes, but it's, I think it's almost helpful to have it too. It's almost like this is a poor analogy and much less. But I go on stage with my phone all the time and I leave the screen on it not to freeze with my set list on it. Yeah. Never mm -hmm. one time have I needed to go into my phone and look at my set list. Never it's one a security time. blanket. But yeah. having it there makes me perform better. Yeah. And also having it there and getting through the day and not using it. There's something that feels really powerful about that. Totally. Totally. I'm like, I did have the option all day and I didn't do it. Totally. Totally. Yeah, so I, I, I like that method. And, mm -hmm. I, you know, like, like you said, it doesn't, you're not in a space where it's like, oh, you're, you're an addict, you have to stop forever. It's like, just try whatever works for you. And everybody's different. You know, I've known plenty of people who did the full on sobriety thing, went to rehab, and then years later decided to start drinking again, or maybe smoking a little bit of weed, weed again, and the usage was not the way it used to be, for whatever yeah. reason. So I think any sort of black and white view on it. I used to think of, uh, not that I want to have kids or anything, but, you know, as a person that's raised as a woman, I think you are raised to want those things. And I just remember thinking, well, I can't have them because I couldn't quit smoking to be pregnant. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, Okay, well, at least that's not the reason. Like, it's just okay. like, I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. By the way, better reason. <laughs> that, that's perfect. Right just, now. Yeah. I would say that in meetings, how like everybody in there is always talking about their goals and they're generally pretty conventional. They're like, I want the home, you know, the spouse, the kids, you know, a mm -hmm. job, money. And I was like, I have anti-goals. I want like no wife, no kids. I do want money. Um, but you know, and they would look at me like, Oh, you devil, you know, but like, yeah. Hey, that's fine. Just that's kind of one thing that empowers whatever your unorthodox behaviors and goals are is the fact that you didn't drink or use that day, no matter what, you know, mm -hmm. I can do what the fuck I want. Also, I think like, it's so good when people who don't want to have kids don't have kids because what's worse than a kid that wasn't wanted? Exactly. It sucks for them. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of kids, do you hear my birth control on the other side of the store? Sorry about that, everybody. No. Yeah. Hi, baby. That'll go, away. That'll, go, that'll go away in a second. Anyway, sorry about that. Don't. I, like, do, do you so guys talking about not wanting kids. As you're talking about not wanting kids, one's knocking on... The door See, okay I will take that back I do I I want them I want to be in the place where I could be a good parent but right now I don't think that that's a thing and that's okay <laughs> well you're just gonna be I mean I think we're all different types of parents than you originally planned mm -hmm. uh, but it is important to be in the right headspace you know mm -hmm. it's always different than you're ever gonna think but you know, it's a, it's a choice. It's a choice. It's a big choice. 
And And then it's like, oh my God, I don't have to just think about what I need to eat today. It's like, I got to feed this thing so much. Yep. Yeah. I I really commend you and anybody who is raising children because it's not easy. It's not easy, but there's a lot of wonderful things about it. I mean, like, I mean, it's, they're just obsessed with you and it's, and they're cute. They're cute and they're funny. Yeah. Yeah, they're really fun. Albeit sticky. They are yeah. sticky. Oh, very sticky. <laughs> Glitter everywhere. No reason. There was Impossible. a kid sitting next to me on the train yesterday. Like a, she's probably one and a half year old. And she kept trying to give me like her little sticky treat in her hand. And I was like, it's beautiful. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so nice of her. You know? Oh, um, you're so kind. Get away yeah. from me. Yeah. <laughs> well, we um, want to thank Remy for coming on our podcast today. Thank you so much for doing it. We are so excited for your show here at Arlington over Labor Day weekend. Uh, remind us, it's the first and the second? The first and the second. The yeah, I think second. the first is a 9 p.m. show and the second is a 7 p.m. show, which is good because if I have any travel issues like I did last time, I will be on time oh, for Friday. I remember. I remember. Oh, that was crazy. I but yeah, I, I, I feel really lucky that you guys are the first ones that I'm speaking to about this, but also that I will be in good hands when I'm in town. I know that I love the club already. Um, the audiences last time were like wonderful. Yeah. Um, just really, really nice people. So thank you guys for giving me the space to chat about this do some new sober stand-up. Yeah, we're so excited for you. Thank you so much. Anything you want to let the people know about? I mean, where, where can they follow you? Where can they yeah, find follow you? me? I, I live, or actually, no, I'm kind of doing a little sobriety from Instagram right now. But um, if you do want to follow anything I have going on, I, I do post on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, Remy Casimir, pretty easy. If you are having a difficult time in sex, whether it's you can't come or like you just want some other aspect of your sex life to feel normalized, like how come's been running for five seasons now? So it's way, way more than just orgasms now. It's everything. So how come uh, spelled the way that you think? And if you're working through body stuff, come come check out Diet Starts Tomorrow. All right. Petey, anything you want to let the people know about? Uh, nothing coming up, but I will hopefully be in attendance at your show, Remy. I want to hear what you got and, uh, can't wait and everything's good. Yay. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll see you soon. Thanks guys. Bye-bye. Bye.